0: From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. This episode is number 91. I am Brad Robinson. Today, I'm talking about the seven Virtues of Enlightened Living. It's going to be a really powerful podcast. I think it might be a little longer than usual, but that's okay. But before I get into that, I want to talk about the podcast and that it's available on my website at unpluganxiety.com under podcast. And there's a feed where you can listen to any anxiety project podcast that I've ever put out and it's really amazing. So there's a feed there. It's The podcast is also available on Spotify. So recently it went on Spotify so you can listen to the podcast there. Um, I'm really excited about that. I don't have any links yet to the Spotify page but I'm sure that if you type in the Anxiety Project Podcast, you'll find it and the podcast is also available on iTunes, it's available on uh, Google, so wherever you like to listen to podcasts, I'm sure that the podcast is there. It's also on YouTube, I post the podcast there as well. Okay, so this episode is all about the seven virtues of enlightened living, and this comes from a really powerful book that I read a while back called *The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari*. Really powerful book. Uh, I recommend it. It's a real, it's an easy read. So if you're looking for something that's real easy but also powerful, this is a great book. Now, this book is a fable. And I, the first time I read this book, I actually thought it was real. I thought everything that happened in this book was real, but it's a fable. But don't let that fool you because the techniques, the message in this book is true. It's true. the The author, Robin Sharma, He just made fictional characters. He made it into a story that's really interesting. It's fascinating, but it's a fable. But there's also truths just implanted in this book. And this book is inspired by Robin Sharma's actual personal experience as a lawyer and then leaving his career at the age of 25. Now, in this book, there are two fictional characters. The first fictional character is Julian Mantle. He is the one who leaves the law firm and becomes a monk in the Himalayas. And the other fictional character, John, he remains a lawyer. They were They knew each other. I think John was an apprentice of Julian. So, Julian has a health crisis, realizes, comes to this awakening that, oh man, you know, this career that I'm doing, this lawyer career is just suffocating me. No wonder I'm unhealthy. No wonder I had this health crisis. And he drops his career goes to the Himalayas to find true meaning, right? He wanted he wants to find the sages of Sarva, uh, Sivana. I think it's Sivana. The sages of Sivana, that's it. He goes to the Himalayas to find the sages of Sivana, to find the meaning, to find some purpose, to be like one of them. And then John is just there wondering, why, why did he leave? I don't understand. But then Julian after years of being with the sages, comes back and then teaches John all that he learned. And John ends up being in the same sort of space that Julian was, you know, overworked, you know, really not taking care of himself. John is not taking care of himself. So Julian comes back and teaches John everything that he learned and sort of, John has this awakening, has this conscious awakening and starts to realize that, you know, he's living this wrong life. You know, he's not taking care of himself. He could live a more meaningful life. And so Julian goes over the things that he learned from the sages. And that's the seven virtues of enlightened living. And then the first virtue Julian describes to John is the garden. It's, It's the symbol of the garden. And the virtue is master your mind. Master your mind. So, the thoughts you entertain determine what you value. And this determines the quality of your life. So, Be careful what thoughts you're entertaining. Are you entertaining those negative thoughts? Because the more energy, the more emotion you give towards those negative thoughts, the more value you put on them. And thus, they're going to stay. They're going to stick around. They're not going to go anywhere the more you entertain them. And anxiety sufferers, they have a chaotic mind. It's chaos. There's too much going on. There needs to be some order to that chaos. There must be some control. And when I began meditation, I remember being terrible at it. I was terrible. My legs hurt when I would cross them and I couldn't sit still. I couldn't find a comfortable position. Uh, there were too many thoughts going in and out of my mind, and I felt like I just couldn't get a grip over them. I couldn't control them. But in time, the more I did it, the more there would be this empty space between thoughts. I would get, I would become more mindful, not only of my body, how I was feeling when I was in this meditative state, but also I had these spaces between thoughts that were so just so powerful. It was just I was in this sacred space with myself without any thoughts, not being attached to any materialistic thing, not being pulled in any direction from my addictions. And that was really powerful. And that came in time the more I meditated. But then I also found that afterwards I was more calm than I was before, and I never meditated before my anxiety recovery. This was a habit that I adopted, something I brought into my life because I was just chao- I was just in a chaotic space. Do you know, or have you seen the movie "Man of Steel," where the young Superman? is in school and he runs out of the classroom and then he goes into the janitor's closet because there's too much going on in his mind he can't control all of his powers he can't control the the things in his mind so the teacher comes or, or i think it his his um I I don't remember who came to the closet but someone banged on the closet and said everything's going to be okay try to control it try to control your thoughts and and, and he he had to learn how to control that that chaos he had to really adopt the responsibility of his own well-being of his powers right he had to adopt the responsibilities of them so he had to learn he had to grow and thus I had to learn and grow and take responsibility of the chaos the chaos in my mind. other techniques that helped me with this was journaling. Um, it adds order to the messy monkey mind right you, you get all your thoughts on paper and it kind of it's a, it's a relief uh, it's a release exercise so everything everything needs to be put in order in your mind, it's just chaos. You need order and journaling helps you add that order into your life. Then there's the elastic band technique. This is a great technique to replace negative thoughts with positive, rational thoughts or images. And when you slap the elastic band against your wrist, what happens? is that you start to recognize that you're in a state that you don't want to be in because your thoughts determine your emotional state. And so you slap the band, you shift your thoughts, and you stop the snowball of those negative thoughts. Really powerful. So those are two great techniques. Uh, Actually, there's more because I mentioned meditation. So I believe three powerful techniques that I just mentioned that helps you to control, add order to the chaos in your mind because your mind will and is a garden. It will grow into a more beautiful garden, right? You want to nurture those plants. You want to nurture your mind. You want to take care of your mind. Take care of that garden. And so a quote from the book is... The secret to happiness is simple. Find out what you truly love to do and then direct all your energy towards doing it. Once you do this, abundance flows into your life and all your desires are filled with ease and grace. So set a name what is your aim and direct all your energy towards that aim. The second symbol Julian talks about in the book is the lighthouse. Now the virtue is follow your purpose or in other words, fuel the fire, fuel the fire. Now setting an aim And having the courage to follow it each day is what this virtue is. It's the idea of this virtue. So set a proper aim. You know, I set a name when I created a contract with myself when I was starting my journey. I I wrote a contract to myself saying, you know, I want to recover in three months time. I would sign it and I would put it on my wall and I would see it every day and I had a name I had some sort of goal and so I then began to attach pain to not changing and that put the anxiety behind me because I was thinking and I thought to myself well if I don't change in a year from now how will my life be oh, it's going to be awful. I'm still going to be suffering. I'm still going to be dependent on other people. I'm going to have the same job. Uh, I'm going to be in the same place. I'm going to have the same crummy relationships. I'm going to have the same poor addictions. And so I attached so much fuel under me so that I could propel and and move towards that aim i set for myself so i began to stumble forward towards that aim and it's going to be bad you're not going to be great at it i mean when i started my recovery i i was a fool at it i i was i didn't know how to meditate uh i was just learning and so you're going to be bad at it you're going to stumble forward you're going to have a lot of setbacks but those are inevitable Setbacks always happen, but keep acting in a way that will will lead you towards that goal. So just keep acting it out. And a vision board is great for this. I created a vision board of what I wanted in the future of my life, and I put it on the board. I I put up pictures of my role models that I, I wanna be like. I wanna act like them. I wanna think like them. I wanna have the same success as they have. And so I put those role models on that vision board. I put places I want to visit in my future. I put like Paris on there. I put uh, Sri Lanka because Maggie's on. Maggie was from there. And so she always talked about how beautiful and spiritual Sri Lanka is. So I really want to go and visit. So I put that on the board. And then I put um, family on the board because I want to improve the relationships with my family. So I, I had a vision of my future. And that propelled me towards my goals. Also, a planner, a weekly schedule helps me plan out my daily routines, you know, having that morning routine, what I need to do during the day. It adds order to the chaos. And then the third virtue or the third symbol Julian talks about is the sumo wrestler. And this virtue is Kaizen, Kaizen is a Japanese term, and it means never-ending improvement, that you should never, there's, an, there's never an end to your self-improvement. Your external environment changes when you shift your internal world. And this is something that blew me away when I began my recovery that I needed to take care of myself before I can take care of other people. Because if I can't take care of myself, if I don't love myself, how on earth am I gonna take care of other people? How is that gonna work? So I began taking care of myself and improving on myself. And I, I began to leave my domain of known territory. I started to face the fears that were underlying in my unconscious mind. So I left my domain of known territory to a place of unknown. And for example, I would go to a concert even though I was anxious to go. I was afraid of public places because I was afraid of having that panic attack and being away from my safe zone. This, the, the voluntary confrontation to what makes you anxious, is the path to enlightenment and to recovery. It is the path. This strengthens new neuronal pathways in the brain. Now, psychologist Carl Jung says that what you need to find is in a place where you least want to look. Really powerful, and it's true, because all of our traumas, the, the the faults that we have, we don't want to come to the realization of them, because it hurts, it's painful, but the more you work at it, the more you tackle each fault, the more you improve on yourself and improve on that fault, but also your life will become better. It always works that way. Your life will become better. So uncover the traumatic repressed memories and learn the lessons from them. This is what I do with my clients with NLP exercises. We sit in a meditative state. We bring up a repressed, emotional memory that is weighing on the person that's weighing on you. And then we tackle it. We pick it apart. We attach safety to it rather than fear, rather rather than that emotion, that sadness. And then we reframe it so that the client, so that you can view the event differently and thus Releasing that emotion from the body. And everybody has those repressed memories. Everybody. It could be an embarrassing event. It could be something traumatic, a death of a loved one or an illness. Anything. Anything highly emotional. We can release that energy from the body. And that's essentially this idea that what you need to find is in a place where you least want to look. In the unconscious mind, those faults, those those demons essentially need to come forth, those fears. We need to confront those fears so that you become braver. So when you confront those fears voluntarily, when you confront an environment where you had a panic attack before, Like I did when I went back to the art gallery where I had a panic attack. I'm confronting the unknown. I'm confronting uncertainty, but voluntarily. And then I'm becoming braver. I'm strengthening a new neuronal pathway when I do that. That's the hero myth. Confronting the unknown, the dragon of chaos, hoarding the gold. When you confront the dragon and slay the dragon, you get the gold. That's the hero myth. And so I see it all the time. The client that I'm working with, they, conf- they confront the unknown. They come back to me and say, Brad, you know, I, I, I stayed in an environment where I was feeling anxious and I didn't run away. I stayed there and I feel so great. like I couldn't believe I could do that. And I'm like, yeah, of course you can. You, you just didn't know you had it in you. It just needed to come forth. So the person becomes braver. And then they can confront many other environments that made them anxious before. And then what happens? They become stronger in each environment. And they become stronger as a person. And then they find that all the environments that made them anxious does not make them anxious anymore. And so I'm going to end this symbol, symbol of the sumo wrestler, with a quote uh, from the book, and the quote is, the universe favors the brave. When you resolve to lift your life to the highest level, the strength of your soul will guide you to a magical place with magnificent treasures. Really powerful. The next symbol Julian talks about to John is the coil. And I really love this symbol. The virtue is live with discipline. The coil consists of tiny wires making up a large coil. Each tiny wire represents a disciplinary act. So it's not just one tiny coil wire. It's a giant coil with many, many small wires making it up. You can also look at this like a neural pathway in the brain. You know, the more you engage in the right disciplinary acts, the more you strengthen a neural pathway. That's really powerful. Discipline. Discipline is required for success. And my disciplinary acts when I started my recovery included reading at the bookstore. I had a hard time reading books because my mind would wander. My mind would just wander, and I could never finish a book. I had a problem with finishing books. And so I started to read in chapters, and I would be like, okay, I'm gonna dedicate three hours to reading a book in the bookstore. And I would sit there, I would read for three hours, no matter what. And then I would leave and I would feel great. I'm like, oh man, like I'm getting through. I read 50 pages of that book. I can't believe it. So I started to discipline myself reading. And then I would discipline myself listening to anxiety recovery podcasts at the coffee shop. Also, meditating was discipline. Journaling was discipline. Cold showers, extremely disciplinary exercise. Waking up earlier. That was difficult at first for me, but really powerful. And all of these acts, they harden the mind. It's the coil, right? The, all the different wires, the, the cold showers is a wire. The journaling is a wire. And so the more disciplinary acts, the harder and stronger the coil. And all of these acts harden the mind. You're proving your old self wrong, strengthening new pathways that support the new ideal you, and then you're weakening the old pathways that used to be your old anxious self. So you're killing off that old identity, essentially. And also role models are a great help to facilitate that discipline. And when you... Surround yourself with the right role models. It doesn't have to be in person. It it can be on YouTube. It can be in a podcast format. The more you subject yourself to these role models, the more you become like them and, and adopt their disciplinary acts. And then continue to entertain the actions of the new you. The more you entertain those actions, the more you move towards that goal that aim that you set for yourself the next the next symbol julian talks about is the stopwatch the virtue is respect your time now i had fears and these were really deep fears of not getting anywhere in my life. And that friends, relatives, they will be so much further down the path in life than me. That was a huge fear. I, I, I stayed in this Peter Pan lifestyle on Pleasure Island. And I had this deep fear that you know everyone around me is just moving ahead i can see on instagram i can see on facebook everyone's just moving ahead with careers and houses and all of these things and i felt like oh my god i'm just stuck here in this peter pan lifestyle not getting anywhere it was it it was a strong fear for me but when i began my recovery journey and i saw improvements in my life I discovered that helping myself was more rewarding than having money or materialistic goods. That having a healthy mind and body was the best aim I could have. Because having those things would better help me make the right choices later in my relationships or career. So like I said before, helping yourself is essential for changing your external environment. So then I I dedicated 3 months to overcome my anxiety. And then I Fell in love with the growth process. So I wrote another contract after those three months for another three months to really push myself through this recovery, to continue on changing, to continue to grow and learn. And it turned out to be the best months of my life. Even though it was so difficult, it was hell. When you go through anxiety recovery, you go from a, a bad place to a worse place first because you have to confront all of your fears and insecurities. But looking back, they were the best months of my life because I was facing the dragon of chaos. I was facing the ultimate thing in my life, the ultimate uh, threat, the ultimate uh goal, the ultimate baggage, right? So it turned out to be the best months of my life. And I became someone I never knew I could be. I never thought I could do it. I never thought I could actually get to a better place in my life. That's how serious my anxiety was. It was so bad. I never would have imagined myself getting to that place in my life. The next symbol Julian talks about is the rose. The rose, the virtue is selflessly serve others. Really powerful. When I opened up about how I recovered from anxiety on the internet, I started to create videos What happened was so many people close to me and from high school, from people I grew up with, they opened up to me about their struggles. That was amazing. It was so uh, unbelievable to me. And that blew me away because it's amazing when you start to open up about what you've been through, other people are going to be like, Brad, you know, I, I, I struggle with this too. I struggle. And then I'm like, I give them advice. I give them words of wisdom, what I did, the techniques, the strategies I did to overcome it. And so I start to help other people overcome their challenges because people relate to my story. They open up to me about their challenges and then we have a real meaningful conversation something of real value that was powerful that really stuck with me in that moment in time when all of this started to happen it it really changed me and how i viewed you know how i viewed life how i viewed other people because you don't have to scratch too far under the surface of someone's life to find something really horrible, something tragic. And so that's something I discovered when I opened up myself to the world about what I went through and how I overcame it. Now, when I recovered from anxiety, I became more conscious and aware of my external world. I was comfortable in my skin now. I practiced mindfulness every day. I got to a relaxed, comfortable place in my life. I was constantly and, and still am challenging myself. And I started to pay attention and I became more aware of other people's interests. Before, the old Brad would give the wrong gifts to people. I was just unconscious. I would say the wrong things and thus negatively impacting other people. But now, now that I take care of myself, now that I love and respect myself, I am more aware, I'm more awake of what I say, but also what others say. I, I can listen intently without being so self-centered. And so I can respond properly to help that person if they are in need of help. or listen to their interests, listen to what they're all about and and I, and then I know the right gift to give them, or the right the right advice to give to that person. And I'm going to end this symbol with a quote from the book. The quote is, The most noble thing you can do is to give to others. Start focusing on your higher purpose. Powerful quote. The seventh and last virtue is embrace the present. And the symbol is diamonds. Embrace the present moment. And so practicing gratitude is powerful for this. Every morning, I recognize the things that I'm grateful for. I write them in a journal. And this gets me more in the present moment, right? Because I'm grateful for this room that I get to comfortably sleep in. I'm grateful for the food that I get to eat in the fridge. I'm grateful for the, the time spent with Maggie. I'm grateful. So recognizing what you're grateful for starts to bring you back into the present moment that, you know what? Instead of worrying and being anxious about the future, this is what I have now. This is real nice. And and ingratitude is one of the most important things, one of the most important things for maintenance of your mental health. Recognizing the things in your life every day that, that really brings you joy, brings you bring something of value to you, the time with your family, the time with your friends, the time eating the, that healthy food, that, that time with yourself is valuable, but a lot of people, they don't recognize that, and so it passes them by. And then they're continuously worrying about the future or stuck in the past. And a great technique to really spend that quality time with yourself, to really put yourself in that present moment is to schedule time with yourself each and every day. Now, what I would do was I I would go to the coffee shop and I would give myself an hour or half an hour and I'd be like, you know what, I'm not going to look at my phone I'm going to sit near the window, have a tea, and just stare out the window and spend some time with myself. That's it. That's a great way to practice mindfulness. And that's something I value. Sitting with myself, not having anything else to do, not scheduling in anything, not answering calls, not looking at social media, sitting by the window, staring out the window And that's it. And just sipping my tea, recognizing the flavors of the tea, recognizing how I feel, just breathing, taking that moment and looking at the people walk by, recognizing uh, the cars that go by, looking at the trees, the sky. That is a great way to practice mindfulness. And that's something I love to do. And when I recovered from anxiety, I began to appreciate and reconnect with my childhood self because I lost that self. I lost it in high school and in college and then after college and years after that. I lost it. I lost my interest, my love of things because I fell into addictions. I fell into chaos uh, and I fell into into anxiety. And I, and I, and I created a, a life that was full of grief and shame. And I, and I was acting in a way that was just making my life worse. So I reconnected with my childhood self when I overcame anxiety. And so I, I fell in love with movies again. I used to be a huge movie kid. Then I lost it. And now I love to watch movies again. I fell in love with it. I'm revisiting movies that I used to watch when I was a kid, and I'm just blown away. I'm having fun. I'm just in the moment and enjoying it and and laughing and and and, and being sucked into the movie because of how I reconnected with myself. I released all this baggage during my recovery that now I can really fall in love with what I used to love and so I I fell in love with so many different things from my childhood but especially movies I started to appreciate them now I can just sit with myself during the day put in a favorite movie of mine and just be sucked into it because of how much that I that I've reconnected with myself now that i'm more mindful now that i'm more disciplined i can spend that quality time with myself or with maggie or with family watch that movie and just really enjoy it because i've reconnected with myself and i believe it was carl young who said that we must reconnect with what we lost in childhood. That's really interesting. It's really deep. Reconnecting with what you lost in childhood because we lose it. We get so caught up in society and and being a puppet to society and our addictions and putting band-aids on all of our underlying issues, and we lose that. We lose that childhood feeling you know i used to be so excited as a child all the time about about things about movies about my toys and i lost it so now i reconnect with that because i've gone to a better place in my life i'm more independent i know how to help myself i know how to be with myself i know how to take care of myself I'm, i'm my own best friend So I can really sit and enjoy a movie because of that reconnection. It's so amazing. So that is part of that mindfulness, this virtue of embracing the present. I can now embrace the present because I'm more in tune with who I am. And I'm going to end this symbol, this virtue, with a quote from the book. And the quote is, we are all here for some special reason. Stop being a prisoner of your past. Become the architect of your future. That, and those are the seven virtues of enlightenment. I recommend the book. I recommend you pick it up and read it it's really powerful not a sponsor by the way <laughs> uh, it's a really powerful book um, and I recommend it go read it and that is the end of the podcast a little longer a lot longer double the time that I usually do these podcasts but I love it I love spending my time here with you talking about these things because it really does have an impact. And I really see the change from the people that come and talk to me about the podcast or the videos I have on the YouTube channel. And this was fun. I loved reconnecting with this book that you know had a great impact on me. I really enjoyed reading it. And these are really important virtues. They have a lot of value to them. And I hope they have a lot of value to you. And lastly, remember do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit UnplugAnxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.